Hi, O'Neill here, loving dogs and their people. We're going to be talking up today about timing and team and so much more. This is an area that anybody can learn, but you have to want to learn it. Because at first I was going to say, you have to build yourself up to it. And well, that's actually true because I had to, and it took years, years to do this. But I want to encourage you. Some people might come right out of the start, come out of the gate, and maybe they have a background in something. Maybe they did ballet. Maybe they were um, did equestrian events, working with horses. And so that they're, they're further along that path. And you might be able to step into it, and further into it. So I'm excited about this because this is, to me, is one of the joys and passions of working with dogs and people. So timing and team and so much more. So my favorite and most significant mentor is Mr. Don Anderson. And think the world of this man, absolutely the world. He's one of a kind. And I would spend hours watching him and how he worked with the dog, how he moved, what he did. I learned, watched, absorbed, and then I would, and then I would practice being that. Not only did I watch him, I watched every dog that he worked with carefully every nuance every every tip of a fingertip every time he spoke when he didn't the way he moved the way he stepped when he paused when he didn't when he leaned into the dog when the dog was responding when it might get off track it's 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 a beautiful beautiful dance so i would watch him and he he would be a strider, a stridey man he would walk miles every day inside of a paddock, acres of paddock, fenced in, high fenced. And then outside of that is more property and more fencing. So what we have is a very ideal training situation. It's low distraction. There's nobody just going to show up. There's no loud noises. There's nothing really unpredictable unpredictable that's going to happen unless you know you see uh, you know someone pulls up but they know to stay in your car or go right immediately into the barn you don't step out into that paddock or come hang on the fence or anything like that you would do it once and then you would be told and then you would never do it again so it rarely happened and so you're out there you're isolated you might get occasional birds snakes a, a feral cat racing through and then some of the other dogs in paddocks around where they were, you know, housed while they were being board trained. And they would watch. So he would stride around out there and he would be on the phone a lot of times. And other times he would be carrying weights in his arms and, and power walking. And he, but he would still have that dog, whichever dog it happened to be, with him. And he would work a dog for 20 minutes. And that's all that was required because he was perfection in the training that that was all that was required and this was strictly obedience but also that we would put protection um, do special services 
we could put tracking in, but it wasn't the, the dog that came in. We weren't talking about household behaviors and things of that nature. So it was very isolated and very strict, and it was, and he had a CADA that he had developed, which I, I use as well and train people. So he's an expert at least 50 years daily working with dogs. And he could be on the phone the whole time while he's training a dog, and he knows every move, every footfall of that dog. And that dog is paying attention to him. And, it, and when he's doing this cadence and moving throughout this, this paddock, this, this acreage, it wasn't like he would just go to the corner of the fence, take a turn, and just walk in a box. He would go this way and that way, and it was smooth and just precise. It was just, it's just absolutely gorgeous. But so it was Akeda. Akeda, in case you don't know, is a routine. Very specific moves to make sure that you are communicating clear, absolutely crystal clearly to the canine. So there's no question about what you're seeking in performance from that dog. And you're helping every, every little thing you do is to help that dog succeed. So it's just precision performance. It's so beautiful. We're working, and so Kata is just, that's, that's what it is. And he developed it. The area was isolated, like we talked about, distraction, very few distractions. Except for him, him with his booming voice while he was striding around, which was perfect. And he was very focused, so he could, he could talk on the phone or guide me to do things while he still kept to his form and worked in total focus and union with the canine. It's notable that he carries the knowledge, experience, confidence, and relaxed flowing leadership and when you watch people work with dogs whether it's another whether it's a trainer or the neighbor down the street or the little old lady in her living room because everybody's unique the dogs are unique the the people are unique but there's a way that you can come into where there is, like I mentioned before, for lack of a better word, it, it's just as beautiful, it's beautiful to watch. It's just absolutely stunning to watch and to be, because it's a dance, it's, it's, they just, they just go, it's so smooth. And to be able to work with a dog like that, which you could do, you could work with a child like that. You could work with a per, an adult like that. You could work with any other being like that, because it's really you're you're learning how to communicate very simply, very specifically, very cleanly, guiding them into performing in a certain way, but you're doing it cleanly, without excess without distractions, diversions from you, because oftentimes we call it dog training, but it's mostly, you get it, it's people training. We are, we are the, the biggest distractions for a dog 
we're inconsistent, we're all over the board, we're on the phone, we're yelling at somebody else, we're doing our own thing, we're, we're, our minds are cranking all the time, we're not even, we're only present with the dog just a little bit while we're training him. And then people get kind of frustrated, it's like, what? Well, it's not happening, it's not working, this dog, it's like, it's, it's the person. So when we talk about timing, which is the first word in the topic today, <laughs> the, the timing is where, right from the very beginning, it, it's like we're all together. I, I call it set up for success, where I'm standing up straight, my feet are underneath my shoulders, my arms are down at my sides, the leash is in my hand, and the dog is sitting to my left, which is the standard. So if you got your dog on the right, get him on the left, please. And their nose is right at my thigh, not ahead of it, and maybe even a foot or two behind, so that they're at point. It's a really important piece because at this point, the leader is the one who's ahead, which would be me. So the dog isn't ahead of me. Where They're sitting there and they're very aware of me because they see me right there. They don't have to look around, you know, pivot their head and look back at me because if that were the case, then I'm not the leader. And then when I want that dog to perform, my timing isn't going to work because he's out front and I'm not the leader. So... That's the very first thing, set yourself up for success so that when you determine something that your dog is going to be able to see, feel, recognize the shift and then your timing will be fluid and beautiful, right? Doesn't that sound nice? Don't you want that? So, and, and I always tell people, don't, if you're having a bad day or your dog is having a bad day, don't train. Just skip it. Because the second rule is, don't do no harm. Because that can just be demoralizing. And if you do that, you can actually have to back up a lot further to come back to even to achieve where you were the lesson before. And it, and it just is just can be very discouraging. It can bring up a lot of emotions, a lot of resistance, a lot of fear, all kinds of different things. So you just want to make just forward fluid movement. If you, if you don't feel it, don't do it. Put the leash away. A lot of dog training really good dog training is about technique. And technique includes these things. It includes your mind. Remember I talked to you a little bit ago about how so many of us were so overstimulated. Our minds are just, they just don't take a break. It's just like this all the time. Going, going, going. I need to get this at the store. I need to get the kids here. What about that? Oh, I forgot that thing at work and I've got to, I got to, did I do my laundry? Did I pick up the dry cleaning because I got that event tonight? Ah, and you're not paying attention to the dog. You're not paying attention to what you're doing and you're not present. So your mind needs to be kind of cleared out and calm. Not kind of, but cleared out and calm. And then that means that you, your consciousness is there. I am here. I am in this moment. I am paying attention to now. 
not in an hour, not yesterday, not what I think I should be doing. My consciousness is here. And if you just take a moment and think about that, when you're interacting with other people, can you not tell exactly the state of consciousness of another person if they're with you or they are not? And how that feels, the difference in it? So bring your A-game when you work with your dog. Or just even when you're with anybody. Even with yourself. Then there's, you are training, you're using, so you're using your mind, you're using your consciousness, you're using your vision. You visually see your dog, you visually see you, you're visually seeing how you're moving together or not. So you're using that sense as well. Then there's energetic. If I'm working with a new dog and they had had some not great training before and I can feel their energy, they're like, oh, I don't know what to expect from you, but I'm standing there calm. So they may be, and they're, I can feel them checking me out energetically and they get a feel that I'm calm and assured. And so then they're taking that back in and they might be yawning to reduce stress and I'll yawn to help them reduce stress. So there also is that dance and it's energetic. And then you've got your hands. Your hands are holding a leash and you can feel because if you don't just grab that leash but you keep it loose in your fingertips there's a real subtle and, and you may not be able to start like this but this is where you're going to hopefully your is your end game your goal or leashless but they, it's a soft hand on a leash that if they do anything that just steps out a little bit you feel it like a gentle tug and they're aware that you're doing a soft. So they're going to be soft. If you're hard, they're going to be hard. And then you're sensing, you're using another sense beyond all those others. And it's, it's a presence of your canine. Like you can even just close your eyes and you can sense your dog or the dog you're working with. You can sense them. They can you. And that's one of their biggest skills is they're, they, they're sensing us all the time. They're using all of their skills to watch us and, and absorb us and figure out what's going on. They can tell if you tilt your head a certain way or you do a certain action. Maybe you touch your face right before you do something or you stick your hand in the pocket before you, that that the right pocket because that's where your key is they are watching for every little sign that's an indicator about what you're doing they're that in tune with you if people were to take that same stance of focusing in on the canine you will find that you your relationship will blossom because you are now communicating at a really high frequency. So we're talking about all these different things that you're paying attention to, but that's, okay, that's just part of it. Okay, let's see. As you are 
working with your dog, it, it there's more that's involved here. Your timing. If you're working, I'm going to come back to that piece. Let me make a note of that because I, I want to take you someplace else first. Third. So when you're training anything that we let, I already stated about on the front end, set up for success. So before you start, your dog is sitting on your left. Every Oh, I didn't say this. Everybody's feet are all facing in the same direction. So your dog's not sitting off to the side, you know, with his butt way out. He's not sitting with his butt behind you, looking away from you. He's not turned around the other direction. He's not actually laying down or standing up. He's sitting in that set up for success position. Because if you can start here, the very first step you take, you set yourself up for success as a team. If you don't have that, you start off sloppy, you're not a team, and you're going to be working to overcome that. Or you're just going to say, ah, it's just sloppy. I'm sloppy, the dog's sloppy, we're just sloppy. And you see those all the time. And that's why the ones that have the dog training, where they work so sweetly as a team because of their timing and their consciousness and their commitment and the joy of it, that they stand out. I, I can go out with dogs. I mean, when I start with them, we may not be that way. We have to build to get there. We have to start where they are, and then we start, okay, here, let's let's start coming together. Let's start coming together. And then more people will be coming up to you and saying, oh, that dog is so well-trained. That dog has such great manners. Wow. You guys just look beautiful together. It starts with setting up for success. So that's the timing. You set it up so that when you say the dog's name and what you want verbally, and then you do a hand signal, and you can also do it with your mind visually, and then you step out, your dog's going to be with you. You were working as a team because your timing is in alignment. You set it up. You're all prepared, present waiting for you Say, let's do it. Is that just the coolest? Hmm. Now, if you're having a situation with your dog, or let's say your dog's having a situation possibly with you, I want to give you a really great tip because this is something that a lot of people tend to be procrastinators and they wait till it gets really bad. Well, if you, it, really bad could be years. As opposed to saying, hey, you know, that I don't like this and it's kind of, you know, I'm now aware of it. And I guess it's been going on for a little bit. So let's think about timing. Let's address this now. Can I do it on my own? I don't think so. Let's bring in a coach and let's nip this in the bud so that our relationship stays really great. And it doesn't, because typically if you start with one problem and you let it get big, then there's more that come in and more that come in. And now it's out of control and the dog is now at the shelter and you're saying good riddance but the dog's not the one that did it it's you if there's a failure it's it's 95 percent of the time it's the people because you didn't 
care enough to take the time, effort, get the skills to make a really great communication and say, hey, this is how we do it. This is how we do it in our home. Our family, this is how we do it. You know, we don't jump on people when they come in the door. You learn that beautiful sit at attention. So we use that at the door when you're greeting people. Because the sit's the most valuable one. The come is 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 absolutely golden. So it's really tough, but the sit is the default. So what you're doing is you are taking care of your situations before they bloom into being something really awful. And you guys, nobody's happy. So when you see something that's not right, this is the time to take care of it. Okay? Don't be afraid to get professional assistance because oftentimes when I go to people, they call me in because a lot of time, most of the time I go to people's homes or where they hang out because I want to be where it's happening. Not at, at my shop where they're standing inside of a little room where it is distraction free or it's so foreign from my own environment, because when I go back to my own environment, I'm going to want to revert back to that same behavior. So there's another tip for you. Do it where the problem is happening in your life. That's where you want to work. And but and the trainer might say, it's a little too full of distractions here. We're not, we're not, it's not our time to do it here. We're going to start inside your house, or we're doing the backyard, or we're going to go to this other place where it's, where it's really destruction-free, work a little bit, get you guys working as a team, and then we're going to come back here. Because it's really critical that we come back here when the time is right so you can be successful as a team. Hmm. So when you're training and you're working as a team, you're going to find that it, on the one hand, it seems to get really, really just so focused and down to like, I'm just focusing on a really good sit. But at the same time, you're also expanding your relationship and expanding your field that you both can hold. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but let's, let's keep going on this. So here's how I would say that. You're training, and you're training with purpose. I want my dog to walk on a loose lead next to me. Okay? So we both have a nice time. And then there's other times I'm going to say, hey, you can have a loose lead, and you can, you know, go out and sniff and everything. But right now we're walking, and I want, to, I want you to just walk next to me. I don't want you jerking on them the lead or, you know, trying to sniff someplace and pee on every single post down the street. Okay, so you have a purpose. I want to train you so we can have this. And it's good to talk to your dog about that. That's what we're going to do today. And then while you, once you decide what your purpose is, and maybe, and don't try to go, I'm going to come out here and teach you 20 different things all at the same time. No, no. I'm going to teach you this one thing so that it's not confusing so we can focus so we're going to get our patterns together and we're going to work as a team. So you're guiding, you're guiding yourself and you're guiding your dog into getting the performance that you're looking for. 
And now here's where it gets even more things to think about. So when you're working with your dog, there's other variables. Well, what breed is your dog? Not only is it breed driven, but you've got an individual. So when you're looking, especially when you're fine tuning, if you've got a dog and they're, you guys are working pretty good, but you just want it to look a lot more polished, you know that you're kind of halfway there, but you know, but you really want a better, just, just a little bit nicer because it's doable, but you didn't know how to do it. This is where you start looking at these things that I'm going to talk about. So you're looking not only at your timing and your signals, you're looking at your canines, their timing. Because some dogs, just by their breed, or maybe they even have a health condition, that you can't just stop suddenly and go sit. You have to prepare them subtly to say, we're getting ready to sit and we're going to stop in two more steps. And so you give them that lead time. And so then you guys stop together. That looks really great. You're going, like, how'd you do that? Because we work together as a team and I paid attention and I learned how my dog's gates are so that we can marry up together and we have this beautiful ta-da. We start like that. We stop like that. So you want to look at the smooth, choreographed teamwork. It might even be, you're going to like, yeah, but I can do it fast and sharp and I want my dog to do it like that. Right? Dang it, I want it my way. But then if you do that, then there's that I and there's no team. You want to work as a team. So you may need to allow extra time to communicate. It might even be when that one foot hits the ground, I know you're going to put three more footsteps down before you're going to give me that, that I need. So your if your timing's not right, you throw your dog's timing off. So, and in, as you're progressing, you may be working with your canine and you guys are both learning. You're both learning. Like I have to adapt all the time because I have to meet the dog where they are and learn how we can work together because I don't work with every single dog the same way. Even though I may be working with that Kata, which in a lot of ways you're going, it should all be exact, but it isn't. So you want to allow, and maybe it doesn't start like that, but by the time we're done and we're working as a solid team smoothly, we have worked it out so that it may not be 100%, but it is like 90%, and it would be a very few people that would know that that wasn't absolutely strikingly perfect. And what's perfect anyway, right? We don't want to be perfect. We just want to be great. <laughs> great team. So you are looking for, and you see at the, as we're talking, what you're looking for here are you've got the basics, you're starting to communicate, you're working together, you're, you're finding your way, but you're now tweaking and you're looking for the subtle little nuances. 
And you can tell, because you can tell by the way the dogs carrying themselves are paying so much attention to you. Even they may not be looking at you because they're, because they're taking it all in. They're doing all those same things that you're doing. They're being present. They're being aware. They're sensing. They're do, they're, they are thriving. Dogs love this stuff. When it's really going and you guys are both there, it, they, they love it. And the people do too because it's just, that's really awesome. So what it is, is a skill set. You're both learning a skill set individually and as a team. And when you get that skill set with your canine, and you can even do that with a puppy, incidentally. You can totally do this with a puppy. I want to encourage you to start very young. It's a little bit different how you do it, and stay tuned because I'll be introducing more of that. But the thing that I like is when I'm delivering a dog, I train, I'll like do board trains, and then, because like, typically the family will do it when they're traveling, they come back, they get there going like, I have them pull up and stay in your car. Don't roll your windows down. Call me when you're parked. Don't don't make any noises. Don't try to get the dog's attention. I don't want the dog to know that you're there. And then we'll come out of the house and we'll go do things. We're going to take them through the, all their paces. And the people get out and they're just speechless. Is that my dog? Is that my dog? No. Is that my dog? My dog's the one that bounces off the end of the leash and we can't control it. What are you talking about? That dog just walked when you walked, sad. It's beautiful. It's perfect. Just perfect. It's just, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's poetry. It's poetry in motion. And yes, and now let's put you standing next to your dog. And we're going to work with you for a few lessons so you can have that as well. Poetry in motion. It feels really good. We talked about, let's see, train now skills when you need them. Yeah. Oh, one of the things that I do oftentimes is when I'm training, well, it's not often, it's pretty much every time, that it's mostly people training. Because it's harder for a person to learn than it is a dog to learn, usually. And so we do role playing. So I just tether the dog someplace and then we'll take turns being the dog or being the handler so that they can get the skill set in. This is how you hold your leash. This is how you move your body. Get your timing right. And then they get to be the canine so that I can feel what they're doing to me because that's what they're doing to the dog. And then I'll say, okay, let's switch places. And then I will, I will, mimic what they did so that they, I can say, now do you see what you, the communication you're giving to the dog? And they're going like, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't. Yeah. And I said, now here's what we want to do. And then I show them, can you feel the difference? Do you, and then we'll role play back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. While they're getting the technique down, marry them back up with their dog. And now that, that awkwardness, the not communicating is gone. And it's done really subtly and gently. And so now the dog, is, they just go. That's, yeah. So do role playing. And even if you don't have a trainer, have, or if you've got a neighbor who's really just, maybe not a trainer, but just really great with dogs, 
doing, you know, they just work really well together. Ask them to do that with you. Or have your, ask it, whoever your trainer is, say, we want to be set up because the one of the best things you can do is teamwork on yourself before you ever put the snap the leash on the dog. So you're not doing a wear and tear while you're learning and the dog has to take it because that's a lot, that's on their neck or on those little harnesses. And it's harder, it's even harder to communicate with a, with a dog with a harness. So you want to make sure that you are at your best, you know, your, your game is on before you, you snap a leash onto your dog. So that would be timing. Make sure you're set up before you get your dog. You're learning first and then you go get your dog. And I just talked about this. I alluded to the lightest touch of the leash. When, I, when I'm training dogs, I have to meet them where they are. I've mentioned this several times. I might meet with a dog and the dog is just bonkers. He's 18 months old and he has not been given care. He's been probably crated horrifically like 16, 20 hours a day. The people get up, they take the dog out, feed it, take the dog out again, put the dog in the crate, come back. They leave it in the crate all day long. They don't get it out. The dog gets out. They come home from work. They, they take the dog out to go to the bathroom. They come back in, put the dog in the crate. Or they spend an hour or two, the dog tears the place up, and then they all go to bed and the dog goes back in the crate. The dog isn't getting exercise. It's, it's just going bonkers. It needs physical exercise. It needs mental exercise. It needs socialization. It, they're social beings. It's not to be isolated in a, a prison format. So I, I meet a lot of them there, and they're not going to be able to hear me whisper. They're not going to be able to respond to subtle. So I have to meet them where they are, and then as we come along, when I take them out and get run them and play with them and play games with them and incorporate training into the games, then they can start to focus and they're going, oh, you've been talking to me now and now, and they're finding the joy and the fun in it and then life gets, gets better. And then the goal is to get it to where most of the dogs and I'm around long enough that I whisper when I work with them. I barely move my hands with the leash and we work flawlessly. So that's achievable. That is something you can set as a goal and I would encourage you to do that. Okay, we did just talked about meet the dog where they are and move together to be part of a very smooth team. And you both do the give and take. And if you think that only the dog, you're doing all the giving and the dog's doing all the taking, no, no. Just just get that idea out of your head. It really is a give and take. You both, it just, it's like if you're walking down the road and there's a, someone drew a chalk line, a straight chalk line down the middle of the, the street, there's gonna be times you're gonna be on that, your dog's the side of the street and there's times the dog's gonna be on your side of the street. It just, it, it just works like that. And then as you keep working, it just keeps smoothing out, getting a little better. And then pretty soon, you just walk it on down that line, if that's what you wanted to. So we started talking about 
purpose. You have to have your purpose. This is what I'm going to work on. I'm not working on 30 things. I'm working on this one thing today or at this moment. Then we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and work on another thing. But we don't overwhelm because then, then it just doesn't work well. It slows you down and, and usually you all give up before you forget it, before you even get it. So purpose, you're guiding both yourself and your dog into these new behaviors and ways of being. And as you're guiding, you're teaching. So as an example, let's say you've got a dog at a sit stay. You go out to the end of a long lead, a 20, 30 foot lead, and you recall the dog. And it works pretty good, but there's little hiccups here and there. So let's say, first of all, it could you could have a problem having the dog maintain a stay when you leave and you walk away. You may have a challenge in getting the dog to respond immediately when you say, Sparky, come. Okay. You could have a challenge getting your dog to come that 20 feet to come straight to you, right? Because they could veer off and go, you know, pee on a tree, go say hi to the neighbor, you know, run off, okay? So there's another spot that you could have a problem. Then you get your dog to you, but you want the dog to complete, which is a sit, a formal sit. Remember we were talking about set up for success where everybody's feet were going in the same direction? Same on the recall. You want the, they're all going, this. they're all, they're not in the same direction, they're parallel. So they're all lined up. The dog's not sitting crooked, you know, getting ready to take off because they're they're paying attention to a distraction of something else they want to go do. They're if they're parallel, everybody's feet are parallel. Your feet are pointing forward. They're all four of their feet are pointing towards you. That means their head's looking at you and you're looking at them. And you're within like a foot of each other. That is a recall. And how do you get that? So let's okay. So you've got all these different places where your recall could not be ideal. So you, when you're working on this, you're going to want to identify specific areas. Where is the hiccup? You stayed. That's wonderful. I would be, anything that's going right, remember, on your timing, praise it. We've got Sparky here. This is last time. Let's use Josie. Josie, stay. And you use the proper technique, which I'm not covering today, but you leave your dog. Good stay. Good stay. You're training. You don't have to be, you know, I want to be encouraged. I will do, I will give you the world if you encourage me. Good stay. Good stay. Good stay. I am recognizing what I like and I want to keep because you're going to get what you focus on. Good stay. That's a good stay. Good stay. Get to the end of the lead. Now, if if it's when I stop and I turn around and I face the dog, the dog starts prematurely to come towards me, That's that might be my hiccup. Or it might be during that long run. Or it might be at the end. So you're looking about where is it specifically. I'm not going to just keep doing recalls to try to get that one little piece right. Because you could be doing that all day long and you're never going to get to that one little piece. 
So you want to isolate it so you can work that one piece. Positively, patiently, because it could be on your side and it could be on your dog's side or it could be both of you are having influence to have it not be as smooth as it could be. And so you can tighten it up. So you're working as a team, working with praise, positive, and timing by isolating out only that which needs the help. And then the other thing is when you're training, if you start, I can work with a dog longer because there's a fluidity and, you know, we're, we're moving. Sometimes if you're working with someone, they can only work like 15 minutes and that's it. We're done. The dog's fatigued. The person's fatigued. So you have to work with the individuals. And so pay attention to you. Pay attention to your dog and set your, your schedule so that you're ending on success. Ending on a good note is probably, it's not probably, it is a very important end note. If you end the training and it's discouraging or you're angry or you just you just put the, and then you toss the dog in a crate or in the house and shut the door and go off to go meet your buddy for a beer. Your dog, when you come to do your next training lesson, your dog is going to remember how the last training session ended to say, how am I going to feel about it today? If at the end of your training session, you now say, Rascal, we're done. You did so great. Now we're going to play. My rule is, if you trained for an hour, you play for an hour. You do something that your dog loves for the equal amount of time. Because you know what? The next time I come and I get that leash, that dog is going to be excited because they're going to say, we played ball, we went to the park, we went over here, we did that, then we got some lovies and grooming, and then I got dinner. You betcha. You got the leash out and we're going to do training. I'm right there. I am ready and I want it. As opposed to, oh, that means you're going to be leaving in a little bit and I don't want to do this. Big difference. So there's... Timing even in that. Timing, intention, and caring enough about how you're presenting because you're the one with the big brain. You're the one with the opposable thumbs. You're the one that's setting up the decision of where you're going and how you're going to do it. And the more that you can be positive, pay attention, do all these things and set yourself up for, for success and look at your timing. And your timing even includes, I know we were going to do these other things. I wanted to really break this whole recall down. But today, all we're going to do is 10 minutes of this. Or maybe it's not even 10 minutes. Maybe it's not even a time. Maybe it's, I'm going to ask you to do this really close to me, only two feet away from me. And when you're going to do it, I'm going to praise you because you just got it right. And if you don't, I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to do it again and do it again. And when you do it right, we do it right as a team. I'm going to praise you. And then I might ask you to do it one more time. And it's right. That praise you. And we're going to go play. We're going to go do something you really enjoy. We're going to go on that car ride. We're going to the Dairy Queen. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you do this, you're going to, you're going to, you might become a professional dog trainer. So that's it. Timing and team and so much more. 
Can you do me a favor? Can you please, I'm going to put this as a, as a um, post on my website and I'll put this, the link in there. Can you please come over and tell me what part of either this talk or your training that you're, you're lit up about, you're in a good way and going, I am really excited about this piece here. I would love to hear that and, and I would love to be able to have other people come in and, and read about it and share. So it's an invitation as so we can like build our community. Also, um, if you have topics that you'd like to cover, because I just like let things kind of just come to me, but if there are certain things, I would love to be able to address concerns that you have or questions. Just let me know. You can do that. Um, throughout social media and my website. Okay, have a great evening and remember timing and team and so much more for the love of your dog.